I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy, a movie podcast where we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes certain films good or bad. Every week, we bring together a panel of film enthusiasts to analyze, discuss, and dissect some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insight into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and join us as we delve into the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes cinema great. All that we ask is don't be crazy. And I am Zach Rancourt. So excited to have you here today. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. I have two very special guests, two friends of mine from the top five podcasts, and that is Tom Lockhart and Eric Shane. Uh, gentlemen, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Thanks doing, for having us again. Doing quite nicely. Yeah, yeah, you guys are uh, no strangers to the show. We've done a few no. episodes of Child's Play. We did uh, Home Alone. We are not doing a holiday-themed movie this go-around, unless you mm. consider that holiday, I don't know, Killing Day? I was going to say Veterans Day, but that's actually kind of fucked up. <laughs> that is kind oh. of fucked up. <laughs> wow, uh. starting off hot. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get spicy. It probably well, I, will. I did spend my entire day making ice cream and watching people die in all of the ways. So Wow. That gives you an insight into what type of life I live. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. So Tom and Eric are from the Top 5 Podcast. They're my chums. I've known them for quite some time. And uh, it's great. On our Top 5 Podcast, we chat about random Top 5 lists. Um, what was our last one we just did? Uh, subscription services. Yeah. Top five yes, subscription services. And we had a lot that were similar. So that was good. Mm -hmm. But today, I'm so excited. We are going to talk about the movie First Blood from 1982, otherwise known as the Rambo movies. This is the first one that started it. It was directed by Ted Kotcheff. He did Weekend at Bernie's, believe it or not, <laughs> and a movie called Wake and Fright, which I don't know. I've never seen. It was written by David Morrell. Uh, well, actually, take that back. The novel was written by David Morrell, and the screenplay was written by William Sackheim and Michael Kozal. So it, just like many other movies, it was based off of a novel. It stars Sylvester Stallone, Brian Dennehy, Richard Crenna, Bill McKenney, David Caruso, and Jack Starrett. Critically, on IMDb, it got a 7.7 .7 out of 10. So we're looking at it close to a C plus. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 86% on t the tomato meter, tomato meter from critics and 85% on the audience score. So it fares pretty well. Uh, I watched it on HBO Max. I don't know if you guys own it or not, but where did you watch it? Uh, I watched it on HBO Max also. Same here. Okay, great. I mean... Might as well take advantage of it. It's might as well. <laughs> it's streaming. It was good quality, and it's free because we subscribe, sort of. Hell uh, yeah! So <laughs> the budget estimated at fifteen million dollars in the U.S. and Canada on opening weekend, which was October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty two. It grossed six point six million dollars, um, but overall in the U.S. and Canada, forty seven point two million dollars. Worldwide, it it made one hundred twenty five thousand ah one hundred twenty five million dollars. So very successful, you could say, for nineteen eighty two. 
Very. Couple fun facts about First Blood. A plot point that was present in the novel, but absent from the film, was the primary reason behind Teasel's resentment and contempt towards Rambo, which was that Rambo was a veteran of the Vietnam War, which gained a lot of attention, whereas Teasel was a veteran of the Korean War, which most people had all but completely forgotten at this point in time. So a bit of jealousy. Hmm. Interesting. After watching a rough cut of the film, which was about three hours long, Sylvester Stallone and his agent claimed that the film was so bad that it made them sick. Stallone also feared that the film would kill his career, and he attempt, uh, so he attempted to buy all the footage and destroy it. When he couldn't do that, he suggested that the producers cut much of his part and let the rest of the characters tell the story. After heavy edits, the film was cut down to 93 minutes and set a precedent for future action movies. Huh. It was a tight 93 minutes. I was a fan yeah. of it. It's an hour and a half, man. I mean, that's that's all I want in a movie, honestly. I think so. what we talked about with the the horror podcast. And we mm-hmm. talked about that uh, tight 90 minutes. is That's good for action horror, that kind of thing. Yeah, a- absolutely. It gets it doesn't skip a beat. There's no dragging. It's paced really well. So mm-hmm. that was quite a decision for him to uh, for them to cut it down. So hell yeah, I think three hours would be cr- like crazy, like way too long. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what they would do with an extra hour and a half, like probably more Oof. haircuts and shaving. Oh, know. yeah, cool. Lots of that. <laughs> then they have me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So and then finally, a lot of hesitation. Oh, no, I got two more. A lot of hesitation came from the studio about Rambo's final breakdown in the film. Stallone fought tooth and nail for the scene, noting he felt the soldiers who were going through similar pushback from society needed to their story told. The stories Rambo rants about in the final moments are real stories. That's terrifying and very sad. Mm. Horrible. In 2020, Sylvester Stallone revealed that the statues of the character of John Rambo were put up in Hope, British Columbia, the location where the film was shot. So that's kind of cool. You can go up yep. to Hope, Hope, BC and see a statue of John Rambo. That's a day's drive from where we're at. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's about 25 miles north of the border. It's not far. Sweet. Mm. I know where I'm going next weekend. Okay. Crazy. <laughs> um, okay. Well, here is a synopsis for anybody who has not uh, seen the film. Uh, you can skip ahead maybe three or four minutes, and if you don't want to get it spoiled. So here we go. John Rambo, a Vietnam War veteran, goes to a lake house in search of an old comrade, only to learn from his wife that his friend died of cancer, brought on by exposure to Agent Orange during the war. He apologizes for her loss and gives her a photo of the pair and the rest of their unit, Baker Team. Continuing his travels, Rambo reaches the town of Hope, Washington. The sheriff, Will Teasel, heads him off and drives him to the outskirts of town, explaining that he considers it his job to keep drifters out of Hope. Uh, Ignoring the sheriff's warning, Rambo tries to return to Hope. Enraged, Teasel arrests Rambo on charges of vagrancy, resisting arrest, and possessing a concealed knife. Led by the sadistic chief deputy, Art Galt, Teasel's officers bully Rambo, triggering flashbacks of the torture he endured in Vietnam. When they try to dry shave him with a straight razor, Rambo snaps. He fights his way out of the station and flees into the woods. Teasel organizes a search party with automatic weapons, dogs, and a helicopter. Defying Teasel's orders, Galt attempts to shoot Rambo from the helicopter. Cornered on a high cliff, Rambo leaps into a tree, injuring his right arm. With Galt still shooting at him, Rambo throws a rock at the helicopter, cracking its windshield and causing the pilot to briefly lose control. Losing his balance, Galt falls to his death on the jagged rocks. Rambo tries to surrender to Teasel, saying that Galt's death was an accident and he wants no more trouble, but the officers shoot at him and he flees. Teasel swears revenge. With guerrilla tactics, Rambo non-lethally subdues all the deputies, using booby traps and his bare hands. Rambo holds a knife to Teasel's throat. He threatens war if Teasel doesn't give up the pursuit. 
before retreating further into the woods. The Washington State Patrol and Washington National Guard are brought in to assist Teasel, along with Rambo's mentor and former commanding officer, Colonel Sam Troutman. Troutman advises that Rambo should be allowed to escape to the next town in order to defuse the situation, then be permitted to surrender peacefully later. Confident that Rambo is ho- hopelessly outnumbered, Teasel refuses. He allows Troutman to contact Rambo to try to persuade him to give himself up. Rambo recognizes Troutman but refuses to come in, condemning Teasel and his deputies for their abuse. At the entrance of the abandoned mine, a National Guard detachment corners Rambo. Ignoring Teasel's instructions to wait for his arrival, the guardsmen fire a rocket launcher, collapsing the entrance and seemingly killing Rambo. Teasel berates the soldiers for their disobedience and demands that their leader, Clinton Morgan, dig Rambo's body out. Rambo goes deeper into the rat-infested mine. He finds a way out, hijacks an army supply truck carrying an M60 gun and ammunition, and returns to the town to cause as much damage as possible. Rambo blows up a gas station, shoots out most of the town's power, and destroys a sporting goods store near the police station. Troutman, knowing that the sheriff is outmatched, tries again to convince Teasel to leave Rambo be. Uh, the sheriff ignores him and attempts to locate and kill Rambo. Rambo spots Teasel on the police station's roof and shoots him. Teasel falls through a skylight. As Rambo prepares to kill him, Troutman appears and warns Rambo that he will be killed if he does not surrender, reminding him that he is the last survivor of his elite unit of Green Berets. Rambo vents about the horrors of war and his traumatic experiences, watching his friends die in Vietnam, being unable to hold a job due to his PTSD, the nasty treatment he received from his fellow Americans when he came home, and being forgotten by the country that he sacrificed so much for. He breaks down crying and he, as he recounts how one comrade was killed by a Viet Cong child soldier using a shine box wired with explosives. After being comforted by Troutman, Rambo surrenders and is taken into federal custody while Teasel is taken to a waiting ambulance for transport to the hospital. Woo! That was a long synopsis. But mm-hmm. that is Rambo First Blood. And uh, let's just jump into it. So First Blood, the movie, on on the surface level, it can be classified as an action movie. I think that's actually what it is. It's classified as an action movie. Right. However... I'm not sure if personally I would fully classify it as just an action movie. Yeah. Um, did you guys view this as a typical action film? And with that being said, how do, how would you define an action star? Um, so I, I viewed this as about 40%, 30 to 40% action to 60 to 70% drama. And the way that I, I was thinking about it for a little bit. And when it comes to just action movies, they're like, more than 70% action. I feel like the scenes are to get you to the big action scene. And in movies like this, it's the scene kind of the, the action scene is just a reaction of what happened in the scene before. I don't know. It's like a feeling when you watch a movie where you're like, Oh, they just want to get to this huge thing where they're blowing things up or like in fast and the furious, they want to drive a car out of a building. <laughs> Let's just, have the plot put them there. It's not like it's not part of the story. Like there's a big chase scene in this, but that's because he's breaking out of the police station and he's going to have to run. So the chase scene led from the plot. So I think this is much more of a drama than, than an action movie. Yeah. I would go so far as to say that it is an action movie. Um, Yes, of course, this is a drama. I think all action movies are, I think they're all dramas at some point. I mean, yeah. that, we're, we're splitting hairs at that point. But to answer, like, defining an action star, that's someone who really excels at acting out high-grade action. That's not something, 
we, we just see it so much that we just sort of take it for granted. But they if they're really good at it, they make it look effortless, but it, it is not at all. So if you've ever done any stage acting ever, you know that the actors got to hit their marks. And when you're doing these rapid movements and action, you still got to hit your marks. You just got to do it really, really quickly. And usually you have to do it fluidly with another person. And, you know, it's dangerous. People get hurt in that line of work. So Stallone's acting, I thought was incredible. Like with those falls in the, in the mine shaft where it looked like it hurt badly. It looked like it hurt when he fell off the cliff and into that tree and like, Holy cow, that looked like it really badly hurt. Um, and so it was a terrifying experience that the audience was, for lack of a better term, rewarded <laughs> with with a, you know a genuine reaction to that experience. That's what we want to see. So an action star is a star, really, is someone with Hollywood looks, but they can hang with the best stunt people. So I think that's an action star. And I think First Blood, by definition, is an action movie. Uh, but I think the reason anybody, I think the reason you're having a hard time totally classifying it as such is because of the way it was written. It's smart in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. And, and in 1982, it was biting social commentary, the, the way he was treated. So, and a lot of these action movies are kind of dumb for the sake of being dumb. Sure. And I can think of a couple of Rambo sequels that are like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but first, we'll talk for, about that in a little bit. We oh, will yeah. talk about that later. <laughs> I have a question about it. <laughs> but, but, but First Blood is actually a good movie and a good action movie. And that makes you think, which is why we're here talking about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and with genre, you know, genre is essentially when you, you, know, you come down to brass tacks, it's what the audience expects a right. film to be. And that's the best way to define genre. And so. I, I use typical loosely because in the 80s or in the 70s, a, an action movie is so different. I mean, an action movie is a car movie or you go back to the 60s. It's a cowboy movie um, where you come to the 90s and you have Michael Bay going all over the place with helicopters and Nicolas Cage acting all crazy. Um, John Woo films as well. I mean, you go to other parts of the of the world and their action films, Kurosawa films, those are different. Rashomon and, and um, those and Seven Samurai. But then you go to, uh, you know, nowadays or um, I, I mean, I'm forgetting about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you go to nowadays and there are movies like Fast and the Furious, like Tom was talking about, that are popcorn flicks. Um, those are those are types of action movies that I think a, a general audience or at least when I think of an action movie, I'm like. It's going to be explosions. It's going to be fighting. Um, I love Arnold with a passion. So all of his movies to me are action movies. And I wouldn't even necessarily classify a good majority of Stallone's action movies because like Over the Top is not one. Uh, Demolition Man is, is surely an action movie. 100%. Um, Judge Dredd is an action movie. It's a terrible action movie. But, um, you know, like he has he has his typicals. And I, I just feel that First Blood, while it has action scenes, I think it's more of a drama um, uh, than anything. And he, you know, for all intents and purposes, he, he's a good actor. Stallone, uh, that scene at the end sold me and I won't uh, yeah. talk about it too much. Cause we'll, we'll get into that. But, um, that was my classification as I, I don't think he was an action star at this point. I think it's later on when he does like tango and cash and those movies. That's fair. Yeah. So, okay. Well, here we go too. Uh, so I'm a civilian. Um, I've never been in the military. 
All I can use to draw reference to anyone who has served is just by listening to them speak. So, Eric, uh, John Rambo is a person who is minding his own business and simply walking until he's egregiously harassed by a power tripped sheriff. It's pretty ridiculous. I was there with you knee deep in all that blood and guts. I covered your ass more than once. Seems like bailing you out of trouble is going to be a lifetime job for me. There wouldn't be no trouble except for that king shit cup. All I wanted was something to eat. But the man kept pushing, sir. Well, you did some pushing of your own, John. They drew first blood, not me. Look, Johnny. Let me come in and get you the hell out of there. They drew first blood. Tiesel calls him a vagrant, won't even let him get some food, and escorts him out of town, casting him aside based on his preconceived notions on veterans. Learning from the book that he actually was also a veteran, but of the Korean War. Regardless, it's weird because you think he would probably have some respect for him. Anyways, Rambo served his country and is treated like garbage when he is stateside. What does this movie say about how the U.S. treats or treated their veterans if it is still going on today? Uh, you want to take this one, Tom? <laughs> I, I think I'm going to let you go ahead. I actually, I, I wrote down in my notes, Eric talks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and first of all, Eric, obviously, it goes without saying, thank you for your service. Oh. Yeah, you bet. We'll see how we'll see how you feel after this conversation. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I, 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 I like listening to you talk about this stuff. So, uh, well, I, I, I had to sort of i've got like a long stream of conscious always going on about this in my head and have been for years so this is obviously something i could personally relate to not at the level that john rambo did of course that's a story but i talked about something a while back on our top five podcast you remember the episode we talked about jobs mm-hmm. right in one of the I, I talked a little bit about how the military prepares you or rather doesn't prepare you for civilian life in that, in terms of uh, getting a civilian job. Um, When I enlisted, I became a mechanic because I thought it was a good way to make a living when I got out. Frankly, that's one of the things that was in my head. The army used to advertise how there was like, they had commercials like 220 ways of becoming a soldier or whatever. You remember those commercials? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, then they're talking about all the MOSs out there. MOS stands for Military Occupational Specialty. That's your job. Uh, I was what you call a 63 hotel at the time. It's something else now. I don't know what, but I was, I was a track vehicle mechanic. That was my specification. I learned how to turn a wrench. I learned I worked on tanks. I worked on big trucks. I worked on smaller track vehicles. I worked on Humvees. Um, and when I was preparing to get out, I pretty quickly realized that the mechanic shops and dealerships, they want someone who is ASE certified to work on their stuff. So basically even after three years of practical experience, like they still wanted me to go to school on top of that. So like my folks had always told me that being a veteran is like a boon on your resume, but guess what? Hmm. On the outside, nobody gives a fuck that you were ever inside. Like your experience matters. Not one fuck. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They are wrapped up in their own little world. They are wrapped up with their own problems when they're the center of their own universe and all that other shit, that soldiering shit. That's the stuff they see on the news or on TV or in video games or movies. They they can't actually relate. And 
frankly, they don't really want to, except in ways that are easy for them to understand the cookie cutter stuff like you see in movies and TVs. And as long as it doesn't affect them too much, as long as they're not personally affected too much, then then OK, they'll tolerate it. Otherwise, it just makes them uncomfortable. And you see that with Teasel. I mean, I know like the book in the book that he's a he's a Korean uh, war vet, but that does not come across at all in the movie. That's not something that was put out in the movie. Um in the movie, right up front, and I was taking my notes as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, this is king shit of fuck mountain, right? Yeah. He is the king of this town. He is on a first name basis with everyone in there, and they go out of their way in two separate scenes to show that he's on a first name basis with like everyone in that town, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and, you know, here comes Johnny Fuckstick walking down his road <laughs> where, you know, who knows what kind of trouble can happen, and this is a time when all kinds of stuff's being talked about, uh, you know, Vietnam vets and all that. And I don't think Teasel, like the way it was portrayed anyway, it didn't, it didn't from, from my viewpoint, from my perspective as a veteran, it didn't feel to me that Teasel specifically hated Rambo because he was a veteran, because I don't think typically or generally people actually hate veterans. But people feel uncomfortable around other people that they cannot connect with, right? And a veteran is someone who, at one point in their life, wrote a blank check made payable to the United States of America for an amount up to and including their life. How how, how do you relate to that? Unless, unless you've really done that, how do you really relate to that? So mm-hmm. all that being said, yes, Rambo specifically was treated like garbage. And Vietnam vets were famously treated poorly in that time and place was very topical in this movie. So I could say that things are better than that. Now it's still not like, it's still not awesome. No, (laughs) it's it's not, it's not great. Like it's, it's more of a hostile neglect is, is how I would say like a, like an openly hostile neglect. Like I, I have rights for veterans of the VA support. I can go down to the VA. I won't. Because when I do, it's like I'm just a fucking burden to those people. Hmm. Honestly, like the best thing I could do for those people is to not walk through the door. They do not want to deal. If hmm. I don't walk through the door, they don't have to do anything. It's like if the DMV ran your health care. That's that's <laughs> sucks. That's yes. And that's how they treat you. They these are folks who you are trained to not complain and then they fuck you up and then they tell the world that they're going to support you and then they treat you like shit for complaining. So like when, when I came back, it was like I was starting from nothing because nobody gave a fuck, not even the people who claimed they did. So and I found like companies like he was talking about he couldn't even find a job parking. He couldn't even hold a job parking cars. Right. He, he was messed up like he had real, real coping problems and companies only care about how they can make money off of you, like how much money you can make for them. And everybody coming out of the service is raw everybody even if you didn't go to war everybody coming out of the service re-entering the civilian world is raw uh you are you are jacked up to some extent and some people are way way more jacked up than others because of what they've gone through and rambo is so screwed up like and, and what's the answer to that because people say yeah. like training right but here here's the fun thing that people don't want to know a the gi bill doesn't hardly pay for a whole hell of a lot anymore because tuition prices are out of fucking control Mm -hmm. and b soldiers are they're typically high school kids when they join 
Okay. But when they get out, they usually have families and responsibilities by then and they have to get a job and universities already, they already don't typically admit a lot of adults, you know, Mm -hmm. like good schools typically don't admit a lot of adults. They're, they're, they're going after high performing high school kids, right? Because it makes them look good and they only have so many seats in the first place. So who gets these people? It's the shitty for-profit colleges that will very happily take that every penny of that GI bill like they did with mine, and you'll have Dick on the other side to show for it. Yeah. That's what happened to me. It's what happens. It's what happened to a lot of folks. So and even when you do get to a college, what do you find when you get there? Just a fuckload of pretentious cock nozzles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who think they're above military service, who look down on veterans. And they think they know what they're talking about, and they don't. And and that's fine. That's that's just that's part of the deal. But and you because you could go the other way too on that, and you could obnoxiously worship veterans like we're some kind of elevated beings, and sure. use this as a talking point whenever you want to show off how you know tough you are or patriotic. Like for example, <laughs> I, I I saw a meme came across my feed the other day. It was like uh, someone was pissed off about drag queens like reading to kids at public libraries, and they're like, mm-hmm. "How about veterans reading to kids? Huh? How about we make that a thing?" Like. Fuck you. Like there's <laughs> there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Yeah. Don't hold me up to for to, as a prop to hide your bigotry, you piece of shit. Pretty much. So <laughs> anyway, long diatribe over. I'm just saying that I, I don't feel specifically that the country or the culture in the country is specifically anti-veteran so much as it's just chock full to the brim with self-absorbed people. And veterans are kind of useful as a prop or a crutch like anything else. And mm-hmm. uh, when you come back from a situation where you have a team around you and you learn, like, like Rambo talked about, that's real. When you have your team around you, when you learn to rely on that team and be reliable for that team, and then you come back here and everyone has their own specific head up their own specific asses and they're going to do their own goddamn thing and not give a fuck about the team. It's, it's definitely hard. It's definitely tough. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's crazy to me that, you know, with all the protests and everything going on in the seventies with the Vietnam war, yeah, why everyone was so against veterans. I mean, you can be against the war, but you know, don't be upset at the people doing their duties. It's like, and this is not the same thing at all, but it's like getting upset with store level employees because of a store policy. Uh, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do, um, their civic duty or, or so they think. So we were at war and it was a different time, but to spit on veterans and to throw shit on them and just flat out disrespect, it's that drives me bananas. I mean, you shouldn't be doing that to anybody. Um, especially so a lot of those veterans were drafted. They didn't have a choice. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the, the crazy thing. And it's, and he's right. It's like, Hey, you have all these years of service and then we just dump you out and we don't give you the skills you need to hold a job parking cars. Um, and kind of like you were saying, you know, the fact that people like, Oh, you're not ASC certified or whatever. Are you kidding me? Like (laughs) what? That, that is stupid. Oh, Hey, but guess what? You get a 5% off at movies though. If you want to do, if you want to get that, thank you to our veterans. It's like, Jesus Christ, give us a veterans day. I go get my blooming onion. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. It makes it all worth it. Go, go get all the things. Go to blooming onion, go to Applebee's. You're goddamn right. You're goddamn right. And if you think for one second that we don't plan that shit out and be like, okay, 
the morning we're hitting breakfast here, donkeys, and at lunch we're going to hear, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're, of course we do. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Damn right we do. And and we, it, we we joke about it too on like on the like the Facebook groups and that we're a part of. We're like, yeah, you're welcome for my service. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> you know, just, yeah, you're welcome for my service. Yeah. Free stuff. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Yeah. Give <laughs> one day you pretend to give a shit. Thanks. A short, Actually, a short stack at IHOP. I think that's one of them too, right? Yeah, that's one of them for sure. I definitely do that. A hundred percent. That's on the docket. That's happening. <laughs> Some of them are like, yeah, you get like 5% off a $5 purchase. So like, wow. Oh, boy. Thanks. Do you know what I did for this country? People spat on me. Well, yeah. It's like, thank you. Appreciate Fine, it. Fine, 7%. This there makes it all worth it. Well, and the, the sad thing about this, because, you know, we'll talk about this more too, obviously, that seems to be the theme of what we're saying is it, mental health, we were we weren't even yeah. scratching the surface of it. And so these poor soldiers yeah. coming over, experiencing the horrors that they had and in, in, had seen in Vietnam. Um, I mean, his own brother, you know, dying from Agent Orange, which was not a, um, it wasn't an uncommon thing. You know, there's no. the whole history of that. And yeah. it, it's it's crazy. And, and, and the, the, we, we've got that now with, uh, with the burn pits. Yeah. We've heard about the burn pits and how we're exposed to that and, uh, you know, I've had the ask like, well, you, you, you weren't around any of those burn pits, were you? I'm like multiple hours a day, every single day, every that I was there. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I, I was on burn detail every single day. Yeah, I know all about it. Trust me. I do not plan on living a long life. <laughs> like, it's definitely jacked up. But it's that was part of the, at the time. That's like, you're you're not really you're not thinking about that mm-hmm. at the time. You don't really you can't go through something like that and really think about, I don't know, some people I think probably plan their future, but uh, you know, it's just to keep themselves sane. But that's, that sounds insane to me to even into a lot of us. That was just like, you just didn't think about it. You just, you know, just went one day to the next. That's it. And for, for, it makes me sad because Rambo, who is a medal of honor winner, is that not yeah. the highest medal in the, yeah. in the military and yeah. for him to win that and to be a POW survivor to just yeah. start the movie off with him walking alone by himself. Now, obviously I don't know what, what happened, but just that mistreatment of like, here's a medal, good luck with life. And that drives me bananas. It's insane to me. I don't, I don't understand that. Like, how does he not have like a stipend or some sort of transition into to the workforce or or housing or something like it's it's crazy. And I, I feel like that is the government just saying, here's the medal for your accomplishments. Go be on your own sort of thing. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but there are stipends for those who have received uh, certain injuries that are proven and provable so if people who are really like have been physically messed up uh they can get a certain amount of disability payments but getting that is it's got to be very very obvious that you are truly fucked up or you have to know how to game the system like i I was going to look at my paperwork uh i I was going to read it off for you because my exit paperwork because when i joined i was a healthy 17 year old and i came out at 20 and i'm like my shoulders were fucked up. My knees were fucked up. My hip was fucked up. I, my neck, I had like limited mobility in my neck. And at the bottom it said not service related. 
Wow. <laughs> Not sir. How? <laughs> like, it's comical. When you read it, it's actually I very was comical. only in the service. That's all I was doing. How can That's it, it not be service related? <laughs> because they don't have to. They don't have to. They don't give a fuck. Wow. They don't care. These people do not care. So that's uh, that's the answer to that question. They don't care. Oh. Well, I am sorry to hear that, but I well, appreciate you you uh, giving your opinion and, and telling us how it is. Because, yeah, that's what I want is the truth. Well, you got the truth. Hell yeah. <laughs> you, you're, gonna, you're definitely going to get some truth out of me. I have no <laughs> problem with that. I know, Eric. That's why I like having you on the show. Because yeah. uh, you, you spit it like it's told. There you go. So, Tom, do you have deep thoughts on the matter? No, I don't. Move on. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, I was going to transition to, we'll go to a veteran of movies, uh, movie watching, uh, Mr. Tom Lockhart, who used to buy so many DVDs that it made me look weird. Um, Uh. Anyways, uh, so this highly successful franchise, the, the Rambo First Blood franchise, has produced five total movies. I think there's a video game in there, too. Maybe a couple video games. There's a couple, yeah. But they've become increasingly ridiculous uh, as the story shifts from the heart of First Blood. Rambo himself, is its he's one of the most iconic action icons or characters in film history. And, I mean, you could see a picture and be like, oh, that's Rambo, obviously. Or everyone knows as soon as you say the name Rambo. You see the headband, no shirt, uh, a bunch of bullets hanging over him, and an M60 or whatever. What are your thoughts on the entire Rambo series? And are you concerned it has taken the message away from First Blood? Uh, Okay, so I'm guessing I'm the only one that watched all five movies in the last three days out of the three of us. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I I just watched the last one about two hours before we started recording. Um, So first, I want to start with the names of the movies, which is just confusing because we got Rambo first blood. And then number two is Rambo first blood part two. Like, okay, they're going with something (laughs) weird here. And then the third one is just called Rambo three. No blood. There's no blood anywhere. And then number four, you would think they would go to with Rambo four, right? Nope. It's just Rambo. Just Rambo. (laughs) And then the last one is Rambo, Last Blood. It's like, I don't even understand that one. Uh, okay, so we'll go from movie to movie. And Hey, Tom, so, maybe for the fourth one, they forgot the title. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. I had to get one in there. Okay, anyway, sorry. All right, Rambo First Blood. It is the best film. Just as a film, it is the best. Uh, it has a very defined vision. It knows what it wants to say. Okay, we've just been talking about it. It knows what it's doing. Rambo First Blood Part 2 leans heavier into the action side of things. It still has a, like the vision that it it's like POWs to rescue them, all sorts of stuff. Okay, I get that. Like It's another problem. But it's a lot more explosions, shooting people with arrows that explode them, you know. Normal stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Rambo 3 then goes even more action and kind of loses all the vision 
because it's more just he's rescuing his friend, like his friend gets captured and he's going to go rescue him is essentially the plot of the movie with more explosions and more people getting stabbed and the really cool scene where he like cauterizes his own wound with his knife. That's just badass every time I watch it. But (laughs) it's also it's an okay movie. Number four is probably my second favorite where he's older now. It's 20 years in the future and he's living in Thailand and there's some missionaries that want to go into Burma, which is basically like a war zone where there's kind of a genocide happening and they want to help. He gets them in and then leaves them there and then they get captured. He finds out and then he goes in with some mercenaries to rescue them. It's awesome. It shows the horrors a lot better of like terrible things that happen, like throwing landmines out and then having people run across the water and let's see who explodes. Like Jeez. this is a fun game and people, awful. people being shot with, you know, 60 caliber machine guns and being torn in half. And it's just like grotesque. It throws the grotesque side of all of it. And then we come to Last Blood, which was a movie until today I had not seen. I never got around to watching it. It came out in 2019. And it is essentially Taken, the movie, but worse. So Liam Neeson's Taken, but a worse movie. He's not like in a war zone. He's living on like a farm and he has a niece, I guess, um, or something. And she ends up going to Mexico to meet her father. And then her father like is like, ah, I don't want you. And then she gets taken into a uh, into like a, a sex trafficking ring. She gets like betrayed by one of her friends. And then he goes and saves her and brings her back to the farm. But on the way back to the farm, she dies like on the ride there. So it's just like, Oh, so he saved her, but no. And I didn't like that at all. And then the rest, (laughs) the rest of the movie is just, is like a home alone sort of situation where the people he stole them from in Mexico, come to like fight him and he has like tunnels underneath his farmhouse and and it's just like home alone but with a lot more murder it's like if if home alone were real because that's really what would happen to the people in home alone but you just it's people's limbs being torn off and being like hit with things and and it's just like this is not a good movie at all (laughs) so that that is rambo as a series. <laughs> okay. Very I, well I, said. Yeah, I saw <laughs> the fourth one. Uh, our mutual buddy, Jake Yarton, talked me into watching that one because he's like, do, 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 The best use of a Claymore ever. That's all I'm telling you. They found a World War II. Then he kept telling me, he's like, found a World War II bomb still active deep in the jungles of Myanmar. And he he blew it up with a goddamn Claymore. I'm like, all right, I'll go watch it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. um, You know what it reminded me of when we talked about the the war there and what they were doing to those people? It reminded me of the... um, uh, the Dark Knight with uh, Alfred's conversation with uh, with Bruce talking about like, well, you know, why was he stealing the gems? Why was he doing? Because well, you know, it's, it's good it was sport. fun. Good Some sport. people just want to watch the world burn. They can't be bought. They can't right. be uh, bargained with, and they have no reason. Right. Some 
you know, when it comes to that evil shit that you saw in that, like, yeah, that's real. I mean, some, that is very real. Some people are just fucked up and they just that they have no regard for human life. None. No, do not value it at all. Except their own. That's how it goes. So then let me let me pose this question specifically for Rambo, the fourth one, the forgotten movie. Um, that movie, like I, I've also seen it, and I think it's my second favorite as well because it's just an over-the-top, absurd action movie. But yeah. it's been a very long time since I've seen it. And I'm wondering with what both of you are saying, do you think it was intentional by Stallone? Is he trying to say something anti-war? Uh, because of the atrocities that are there, because of the the killings that that are aimless and for no reason, do you think he's trying to say something anti-war there? Maybe I don't know about anti-war. It's more. It sounds like the way that his character is in the movie when the like missionaries want to go in is he's basically saying you're not going to change anything. Like you're going to go in there and give medicine and like it's not going to do anything. You're not going to change what is. Like this is just. This is going to be out there like you're not going to help. And he's kind of right. But he also seems like he doesn't really want to fight until they're captured. Like he's he's kind of given up on that life for the most part. Um, So I don't know if it's really anti-war as much as, hey, this is what life is. And it sucks. (laughs) Like Mm. it's it's rough out there, guys. Yeah, it's about don't, right. Don't try. <laughs> <laughs> you never try, you can't fail. <laughs> I, I think Tom's on the money. I, I'm not so sure if it's really anti, anti-war anti or if he's just more of a... Yeah, the world is a brutal, brutal place. And mm. it's one thing here in the world, <laughs> you know, with the, like this, this, that there, that evil that you're talking about, that we talked about for number four, that right. fucked up, not that thing that inhuman, the way they're in man's inhumanity to man, as it has historically been put, that's actually very normal. This right here, where we're just politely, you know, having this little chit chat, this is what's weird. Yeah. That mm. over there, that's normal. So when you have somebody who comes from this existence, this civil, you know, advanced civilization of, you know, an higher uh, post enlightenment world or whatever, and going into something like that. It there it's, there's a, he, he's been exposed to it. He knows what the reality is there. These missionaries have no idea. They think they're going there to help. And it's like, you're, you bring in weapons. Of course not. You're not changing anything. Go home. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I'm, I'm curious on, on, you know, so the, f- First First Blood movie, I, again, with t- the titles and everything like that, <laughs> with First Blood, um, I think that <clears throat> I don't know if there was necessarily a message of of anti-atrocity or anti-war. I mean, I think we just discussed it about the, the veteran side, uh, PTSD, uh, power tripping, law enforcement, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I think that was what made it a bit better because it had something specific to say. And I think Rambo 2 and Rambo 3... And Rambo Tunnels, I forgot what it's even called, Last Blood, <laughs> don't really do anything. And I think that's why First Blood is so good is because there's a lot of commentary behind it. And to shift a little bit to another beloved franchise of Stallone, Rocky. Um, the first Rocky is actually not my favorite Rocky, but one and two are freaking brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it's a typical underdog story, but told in such a 
kind of morose and and melancholy gritty way but it's relatable too and i think it's it's beautifully acted and written obviously um and so it really kind of you know steals it then when you get to three and four and then five which five doesn't exist but three and four those movies shift the that whole paradigm and it's like we're just gonna beat people up and it's gonna be a bunch of oily sweaty men doing steroids and I'm like, well, what's the message? You're kind of missing it here. And I think that's where this all gets lost. And, and I think it takes away from First Blood, which is a vastly different movie than a 50 cal tearing limbs off of people and <laughs> people throwing landmines and using claymores and stuff. And so I, I am going to rewatch Rambo because I did really enjoy it when I saw it. Um, but it's been such a long time, you know. So I, I just... I get scared when movies drift too far from what First Blood actually meant, like what the original movie was trying to say. You can enhance it for sure, but I don't think they enhanced First Blood. No. <laughs> Not in I, I will say that when it comes to that kind of thing, it did follow – it followed a trend that was going on in the 80s. So mm. uh, there was a – like martial arts movies were huge in the 80s, right? Big, 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 big deal. Karate Kid and all that. Martial arts movies. There was this one called, I don't know if you've seen it. It was with Eric Roberts. It was called Best of the Best. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, So it's an American martial arts team. They're training to win a competition against the Korean team whose star martial artist brutally killed one of the Americans' brothers. Okay. It's actually like a really good movie about healing and coping with loss and camaraderie and the importance of mental and emotional discipline. It's great. But there's also sequels that like where they end up like undercover agents fighting the Yakuza or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's silly. And that was actually a trend for those sequels. Um, That was that was a trend for those sequels in the 80s. That was just how it went. So and I talked about it in our top five podcast, my fear for the upcoming Indiana Jones sequel that I think they're going to you know, they're going to have Indy get into a literal Mm -hmm. space race and against Nazis and fighting them in space. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm really afraid that's what they're going to do because that's 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 the trend. And I'm all for the more is more angle when it comes to like action flicks. That's fine. But it's like, but come on, don't be crazy. Exactly. Don't don't be crazy. Exactly. Indiana Jones is an action flick, but it's Mm -hmm. it's more than that. And we all know that. Right. Mm -hmm. But so was the original Rambo. And I I think it would have been interesting to see if they could have taken Rambo and went like a totally different direction, um, like gone the other way entirely. Right. Yeah. Um, But sequels ramp up the action, uh, the action. That's what they do. They don't they don't dial it down. That's not you were talking about uh, audience expectations. Right. That's not what audience expect. It's not what critics expect. And studios are not going to do that. So it kind of sucks, but that's Hollywood. What are you going to do? Right. And I think an interesting take would be maybe we see an aged John Rambo, who's actually now a local sheriff in a small town. And he has some vagrant problems. But instead of trying to kick them out, he tries to reconcile the differences. But then things shift. And actually, those guys are assholes. And then we kind of see it from a different perspective. But... Anyways, that's just a spitball. That's just um, something yeah. you've been you've been writing, you know, yeah. three three hours a day. I'm working with Stallone on it. Ten years. <laughs> so let's shift a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll go to uh, Sheriff Teasel. Teasel is a jackass, plain and shim- plain and simple. And Brian Dennehy does a ma- magnificent job of creating a character which could universally be hated for his abuse of power in this small town USA. Corrupt police, 
it's weird, right? It feels so odd mm. to see this portrayed on the big screen uh, now with everything that we've learned about police reform in the last five years. I mean, this movie came out in 82 and we see this and we're like, holy shit, this sucks. This isn't the only movie that portrays the issues with police, whereas film has not strayed from showing this authoritative exploitation for over 100 years, basically. So why did it take us so long as a society to cast aside cautionary tales like this film about the abuse of power when it was right there in our faces? When we saw, guess what? I'm going to write you up for vagrancy and a knife and whatever else and being homeless. And I'm going to shave you and put you into jail. What the hell are you talking about? So yeah. why did it take so goddamn long for us to cast aside these cautionary tales? Well, uh, People don't like to see what's right in front of them when it doesn't affect them. I, even I, I go, I've said this many times. I float through life, not noticing problems anywhere. I don't look at the news. I don't know what's going on in the world. I, I just go through life without any problems in the world. And then once they're brought up, it's like, wait, what? This is a problem. When did this happen? Uh, and, Throughout the movie, I was thinking of the the phrase, not all cops are bad, because it's a very problematic statement, because look at the redheaded cop. Uh, what's his name? Oh, in the David movie? Caruso. Yeah. David Caruso. Yeah. yeah. He, he points out several times like he's not down with what's going on. He's like, oh, but the problem here is. He doesn't do anything. He just says, ooh, that, that's not great. You shouldn't be doing that. And then nothing. Yeah. And and the the sheriff and uh, the other cop, what's his name? Art uh, Galt. Art yeah, Galt. Art Galt. Yeah. They've probably been doing this their entire career, just mm -hmm. being shitty cops. And that's hundreds of people who have seen them being shitty cops and haven't done anything about it. Like, And it's just like, yeah. Bad's a real interesting word because doing nothing is bad. Yeah. If you see stuff mm -hmm. that is you're clearly complicit. just a, a terrible thing, you're just you're just as bad. So, ugh. so most of these cops in this movie are bad cops. <laughs> yeah. I would say maybe even all of them. I, yeah, you know, I don't like. I think you touched on like I don't know if I believe the all cops are bastards, but like at a certain level. Cops are gen you know, that's where bullies go to get paid to be evil bastards. Yes, like, yes, yes, yeah. yes, 100%, Eric. <laughs> that's what they do. That's where they go to to get away with it. That's why they do it. Um, even though you do occasionally find a decent heart who wants to genuinely serve and protect, but they're just, they're far outnumbered by the evil pricks. And if they speak out, if they don't toe the line and with their brothers and sisters in arms, then their career can just get screwed. That's why they don't stick their neck out like that. Even though some of them, you know, really want to. Yeah, they're a little bit cowardly. That's true, but they're also vastly outnumbered. Maybe you would be too, if you were in that situation, it's hard to judge, but right. um, why did it take so long is you were asking? I mean, Teasel said it, he said it like, the, uh, he said, was like, if one of my deputies is a little hard on a guy, I find out about it. I'll kick his ass. Me, the law, you know, that law's got to do it. That's why that's the way it's got to be. People start fucking around with the law and all hell's going to break loose. Um, you know, cool. Yeah, that's that's right. <clears throat> but it only works when that actually works. Mm -hmm. How many times have we heard, you know, we've investigated ourselves and we found we've done nothing wrong. 
right? Yeah. How many times? Every single time, right? <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> right. Because we are saints. Right. Those, yeah, those sergeants, those captains, they're looking out for their guys. I get that instinct. I really sure. do. But it some of those sense. guys, <laughs> yeah, need to rein it the fuck in because when they don't is when cops get dead. Like there was a huge cop killing spree, like what, five, six years ago? Do you remember that? Like mm-hmm. cops getting baited in Dallas and shit. And this is what ha- this is why this is where it comes from. This is why people hate cops is because you never do anything about it. The people in power never do anything about it. So mm-hmm. the defunding the police or restructure or whatever you want to call it, uh, it's as much for their sake as it is the public they're supposed to be protecting, frankly. Like you, you're not qualified to investigate yourselves. You're not. You're not qualified to police yourselves. Someone else has got to do it. And one thing I can say that military veterans know that cops sometimes I seem to forget our leaders in this country are civilians. Like you resent their oversight the same way the colonel and a few good men resent it. Right. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know that while his death, while tragic, probably saved life, that whole thing. He resented civilian oversight the same way the cops do and for the exact same reason because unless Mm -hmm. you've done the job and put your life on the line for civilians it's kind of tough taking shit from people who can't possibly fathom what it is to do that job and that's understandable but i'm also afraid that that's just tough shit (laughs) civilians are in charge on purpose it's gonna stay that way society has the right to protect itself which is why we have the police in the first place but society also has a right to defend itself from its defenders when they go too far, which is not like unheard of historically or even in this country. That's the way it's got to be. So sorry for the long rants, but that's I, so, no, that's that's a that's a really good point. And so I've I've really been in, you know, in a side um, Patrick H. Willems uh, has this YouTube channel and he's a film critic. Um, but he teaches people about understanding film. And, and recently I discovered this amazing video that he posted a week ago, and it is called How to Analyze Film. Um, Patrick H. Williams, uh, just, excuse me, look it up. If you ever want to look at how to critique a film, but not in a way that is pretentious or uh, or, or or too techy or nerdy, I mean, he does it in such a, he explains everything in such an eloquent way. And I've really been on the kick of this. And so he talks about learning or looking at theme through other lenses. So what is the message of a film? What is the meaning of a film and, and making sure that you have a, a, a different lens on. So coming back to what Eric was saying, people rising up because of the bad actions that the police are doing is essentially kind of what's happening in first blood. They drew first blood. He was just walking, trying to get some food, and he's being harassed. He's mm-hmm. not speaking or he's not talking back. He's not doing anything out of line. They're beating him. He's still going with it. And it's only until he's at his breaking point with the the straight razor that he freaks out. Even after all that, even after he hunts them in the forest and he stops, I mean, he gives up. He's like, you got to stop this. I'm, I'm surrendering. Stop. They shoot at him. So what is he to do? You're pushed, you're pushed, you're pushed, you're pushed, and then you got to push back. And so maybe, just maybe, this is me looking through another lens, what if First Blood is actually anti-police? What if it's a a cautionary tale about if if the police continue this, this is what will happen? Just something I kind of thought about when you you were talking just now. 
I so. yeah, I it's that's very possible. Yeah. Given given the time because there were some, you know, there was a lot of anti-Vietnam pushback as well. There mm-hmm. was also a lot of anti-authority. Yes. So it sort of sort of bled together on that and uh I could see in that case it would be two sides of the same thing. So. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's all just it's it's fascinating stuff and like I love what you said about the bully thing. So I wanted to be a cop and anyone who listens to this show knows that I I have respect for police officers, not all police officers though. Some of my friends are still police officers and I respect the hell out of them. Um it is a tough job, but there needs to be change. The thing that drives me crazy and it's because I'm kind of soured by the experience is when I went to test to be a police officer that I dedicated a long part of my life for. Um, I was passed over because I didn't have military experience. One specific department told me that that people with military experience get a priority like boost on their test. And I was kind of like, what? And then I look nowadays or in the past, you know, the time after that, and I am seeing these types of people that are taking these jobs who barely graduated high school that were either the bully or the jock in high school, and they just decide to become cops. And then we get into issues with abusive uh, force and shootings and all that kind of stuff. And you're just like, well, you know, I hate to say I told you so, but we knew this was going to happen when you pass on good quality candidates. But. I digress. There are other fantastic police officers out there. Don't get me wrong, but a good majority that that I have seen and interacted with. I'm like, who hurt you? <laughs> Why were you such a bully in high school that you then became a cop? And so, yeah, yeah. Bu- bully cops are not the minority. No, no, they are not. Um, and if they don't think they are, if they typically are. So <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's frustrating. OK, let's move on. So Rambo, we talked about this. He's pushed to the brink, right? They drew first blood, not him. He even warns Teasel. He says, I could have killed them all. I could have killed you. I'm telling you the law. Out here, it's me. Don't push it. Don't push it. I'll give you a war you won't believe. Let it go. Pretty powerful stuff. The the events unfold with Rambo being the hunter and not the hunted anymore. So as viewers for you guys, do you feel that Rambo was justified in his actions of hunting these police officers? At what point did he pass the precipice and it become too much? Okay. Um, hmm. I, I'm going to say, yes, Rambo is justified, but not that any court would ever agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They weren't like, watching this movie. <laughs> no, like, like morally, morally, in, in, he, yes, he's justified. Like legally, the cops get 1000% of the doubt always. That's yeah. the frustrating thing we're talking about because guys like Teasel and Galt are in every police precinct in America. Okay. They are. So we know they're there, but what the hell do we do about it? Like if you're dying because this overzealous bully cop who gets off from your suffering won't get off of your throat, do you have a right to defend yourself? Legally, I, that's ambiguous. No, not really. But like it's your life. So if you want to have a chance to explain yourself, then you have to do what you have to do and hope for the mercy of the court. But then if you are happen to not be Rambo – you know, mm-hmm. then they're just going to beat you harder and then you probably will die. So like Rambo's story is a fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, a, and a lot of us had it, but it's like 
it's just a movie and it was set in 82. Like you're not going to pull that crap off today. I don't care how many survivalist blogs you read. I don't care how tough you think you are. I don't have, I don't care how much you go to the woods to train. Like <laughs> you're a poser. That shit's a fantasy. You're not doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but like legally speaking, I think he, he crossed the line uh, in the precinct basement um, when his, uh, his, his trauma triggered his flashbacks and his traumas just sort of triggered and he just couldn't stand it. Uh, when he first, um, resisted really with the cop when he actually genuinely resisted. Yeah. You like at that point legally you've crossed the line. You you cannot do that. So, yeah. but moral morally, she, she was justified in killing every last one of them. <laughs> yeah. Kill them all and let God sort them out. <laughs> oh. Tom, what do you think? Um, it's very interesting because it's 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 hard to say that he's at fault when you know how crappy everyone has been so far. Um, I would say after the helicopter, everything after that, like knocking uh, stupid guy out of the helicopter, that everything after that, I would say is is past the 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 line of no return um because i mean this guy's shooting at him while he's hanging from a cliff unarmed like uh, first of all back to the whole no bad this helicopter like operator like just fly away like i understand i understand the cop (laughs) said he'll kill you if you do that is he really gonna kill you like he's a police officer he's not just gonna like shoot you you're driving his ride like just (laughs) fly away if you don't like what's happening but after that like because it's just in the woods he's just kind of maiming people and whatnot and these are people who didn't do anything specifically wrong to him. <laughs> they yeah. weren't the ones torturing him. So it's kind of hard to see him basically like the guy who gets the spikes into his legs. Like, Oh, that's brutal. Oh, rough. Oh, that's mean. What did that guy do to you? I don't even think that guy talked to you. <laughs> like this is rough. So I think, and then going and like blowing up the town, like now we're just talking about property damage. That's not cool. These people didn't do anything to you. <laughs> yeah, like when he starts blowing up, yeah, the bank and that's then the sporting point. goods store. It's like that's 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 a bit much, man. Um, okay, now is yeah. this a commentary on anti-capitalism? <laughs> I mean, no. you could. No, that's a lens you could look. If and and that's my favorite thing. You know, to, to kind of pull it back a little bit. That's my favorite thing about analyzing cinema is it's artist subjective, as you you yeah. both know. And there's never a wrong answer. You guys could sit here and tell me that Rambo is actually about, yeah, anti-capitalism. Or you could say something, it's about uh, responsibility and the choices we take when we leave our families or something. As long as you can back it up and support it, I can't tell you you're wrong. I might not agree with you, and that's good, that's healthy, but... I can't tell you you're wrong because that's your interpretation of it. And that's how art is supposed to be viewed. Um, and so like, I love that. I, I love that we can have discussions about this movie and look at it and, and realize why, you know, first blood is the best out of this because it can draw things and it can draw an hour long discussion we've had so far about it. So yeah, it's uh it's pretty fascinating stuff. So I, I I'm, I'm with both of you. Um, I, it's hard to say when too much is too much. Um, I was, I thought it was badass and justified, uh, you know, as we're subjectively viewing, uh, from his perspective, that subjective perspective of him in the mines, uh, doing guerrilla warfare 
and it's all justified because he was going to get cut up and he had the flashbacks to the POW camp. However, when you pull it back uh, and Troutman's like, hey, just let him go. That would have worked so much better because then we would have avoided all this. But then kind of Rambo kind of keeps pushing it. So um, it's tough. It, it's really <laughs> tough to say. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just that's glad actually he didn't good. die. Like, when he when it appeared that he was dead in the mine, I it, I was looking for clues there, like because I knew that wasn't the end of it. Mm-hmm. I was looking for clues that if he would have listened in on that conversation, any conversations that were happening when he finally got out the other side and he was near the other soldiers, like if they were talking about him dead, if he could have picked up on the clue that they think he's dead, maybe then he could wait for them to leave. Just just hold down for like a day or two until everybody leaves and then just take off. Yeah, like he could have done that. Yeah, but instead he jumps on the he jumps on the um, uh, military vehicle. Yeah. You know, throws the guy out, and he was not in a place at that point. Like mm-hmm. he was a fully transitioned killing machine at that point. Mm-hmm. It's war at this point. Yeah. yeah, at that point, it's it's on. Yeah, fascinating. Okay, well here we go. Final question. So Sylvester Stallone, he is an actor. I bet you you guys know that, right? What? <laughs> Yeah, Um, many know him as Rocky or Rambo, but don't realize his talent is way deeper than a bumbling and grizzled action star. Yo, everyone can do their Stallone impression. At the very core, I think Sylvester Stallone has depth and talent that can that can compare with any famous actor. What are your thoughts on Stallone and how do you rate his performance in any of his films, including this one? Okay, so I actually sorted mine into three different sections. Wow. (laughs) We've got acting. So acting ability, some of his best performances, Rocky, Rocky 2, First Blood, Copland and Creed. I like how I like how (laughs) of all those, most of those are Rocky and or Rambo movies. This is a good spot for me to jump in here and just say that this is my section where I just say Tom talks because I literally (laughs) just said, I I think he's an incredible actor. This was one of his finest works. He has a distinct voice and carriage. He looks and looks, he's carved his way into legend. Not many people can do the movies that he did and do them as well. So that's really all I got for that. So yeah. sorry to interrupt. Tom, no take problem. it over. Your so podcast. The, the, those are his great acting performances, in my opinion. I scrolled through his IMDb. And then I, I was looking through it and I was like, well, I got to separate this into other things. Action movies. Because he might not be acting in these movies, but they are still super enjoyable. And the three that I picked was Demolition Man cliffhanger and the expendables because the expendables is just awesome because it's just all nostalgia and action stars that i grew up watching um and then my third category was just dumb stallone movies because even (laughs) some of his bad movies can be great like stop or my mom will shoot i love that (laughs) no (laughs) over the top one of the best movies ever made (laughs) oh my god that movie's so good i love it i will fight anyone who says otherwise (laughs) and then judge dread which is one of my favorite bad movies it's just it's just it's so enjoyable how bad it is and just how everything was completely wrong. They chose so poorly for everything. So I love every second of it. <laughs> I am the law. <laughs> uh, you can't take your helmet off. Judge Dredd doesn't take his helmet off. Oh, man. <sighs> Great. So, th- so yeah. was, that, was that the three categories? Yes, those are my three categories. Okay. Acting, action, and dumb. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. Um, I think that he does a lot of, he has a lot of good roles. Copland was fantastic. 
they take what Stallone does where he's 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 just a polite guy. Um, that's what Rocky was. He's quiet. He's polite. He says, oh, you know, I got, I got this picture here. See, it's a picture in my pocket and it has us on it. He explains things like that and he means the best. He's one of those people that just means the best, but he's not always there. And when he plays, you know, Sheriff Freddie Hef- Heflin in Copland, he's he's just a placeholder for that place in New Jersey, that town in New Jersey. So everyone can kind of do their own thing. Um, all the bad cops can get away with things. And so he takes the law into his own hands. It's a stark contrast from uh, Judge Dredd. Right. Uh, but I think the heart of everything is when he plays Rocky. My favorite role of his is Rocky Balboa in the movie Creed, which is actually my favorite Rocky movie. Um I think Creed is phenomenal. It's one of my favorite films of all time. And I think Stallone gives such a heart wrenching performance, especially when he talks about trading everything that he's ever had in his life for one more day with his wife. It's so brilliant. Um, He got snubbed for best supporting actor, in my opinion. Uh, The Oscars are what they are, but I, I think he deserved it. He's just really honed in on his skills and he's a talented writer, a talented director. Um, and you know what? He he knew what he needed to do. He's he's he took steroids. He got jacked and he became a good action star for like Demolition Man or um, Cobra or Cliffhanger. Uh, all those movies, you know, he did what he needed to. And and I enjoyed it. Um, Expendables was fun. You're right, Tom. Expendables was so fun. It was yeah. so stupid, but so good <laughs> at the same time. So, yeah, I, I'm glad Stallone was able to cut this movie down to to 93 minutes because I agree. Yep. I think I think he was great in it. He doesn't say much in it until the end when he gives that wonderful speech about and he breaks down about, you know, I came back. People are spitting on me. Um, all, the, all the blood, all the atrocities. I, I, you know, my friend got exploded and his entrails were hanging out of his body in, in Vietnam. And that's terrible. Like, that's terrible. And he just sells it so well. He's believable. He just needs help. At the end of the day, that's what it is. It's he just needs help. And he he does a bang up job in that. And I'm, I'm so surprised that people didn't realize that. Uh, well, you just made me realize something about the fifth movie uh, when you said that he didn't talk a lot in the fifth movie. I think he he has more dialogue than in the other four movies combined, like from the moment, like he is just a chatterbox, especially like watching them all, like the last three days, like it was just so weird that like they opened the movie and he had already like had like 20 lines of dialogue in the first five minutes. I don't even know if he has 20 lines of dialogue in the first movie. Like I'm pretty sure. And they're short sentences for a lot of the things he says in that. And it's just like, you guys did not get the character for, for this last, last one. He is not supposed to be like, just chit chatting. Like he's Rocky or something like, uh, I mean, I could say that, I mean, people do change, you know, as they, yeah. as they age a little bit. So maybe yeah. waxing a little more nostalgic, but you know, I, I get what you're saying. That I is would a, get that. That is a Rocky it, quote, by the way. People change. That's how that's how he single handedly ended the Cold War is by beating Ivan Drago. And he said, if I can change, you can change. change. People change. And uh, <laughs> Gorbachev or Gorbachev or whatever was like, thumbs up. So. And the Cold War was over. And the Cold War was over. Rocky solved it. <laughs> we need to teach our children that that's the way it went down. Exactly. I love those memes that are like, I'm going to tell my children this is Blink-182. Or I'm going to tell my children this is like Fallout Boy or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's like stupid ass stuff. I think it's hilarious. 
Um, anyways, agree. okay. So those are all the questions I have, you guys. Let's go to into hottest takes. This is my my fun segment. Um, each of you defend one of your hottest or most controversial takes on this movie, on movies from the genre, on actors, okay. on whatever. Eric, go ahead. Sure. Um, it's it's a lot shorter than the last hottest take when I was on this uh, this podcast. Very quick. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's not a controversial take. It's just a hot take. Uh, I was active duty. Uh, but I got to say, the way they portrayed the National Guard in this movie was total bullshit. Yeah, that's how totally, I, I, I agree with you. Totally bullshit, like offensively bad. Like it wasn't necessary. Like we yes, we colloquially refer to them as weekend warriors, but don't get that <laughs> shit twisted at all. Like they go to the same basic training in AIT as active duty troops. Mm-hmm. OK, they still get trained. They still have to maintain body and hair standards. They still got to go to drills. They got to do, you know, army shit. They still got to get deployed. And when the shit hits the fan, like an emergency, like a hurricane or whatever, they've got to put their whole damn lives on pause and run out the door. Mm-hmm. They're they're not everyday soldiers, but they're also not the slapdick militia cosplatriots that they were shown to be in the movie. So that display was actually horseshit. I, I really wish they had done a better job of that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, knowing people who are in the National Guard, I was like, this is stupid. And they were the movie is doing so well, but that got taken way out of out of context and way, 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 way dumb, way bad. Really wish they hadn't done that. Absolutely. Thomas. Um, so my hot take is if Sylvester Stallone didn't kind of turn into the action guy in the 80s and 90s, I think he would have a couple Oscars like for best actor. I think like if he concentrated on movies that were like this or just anything other than just being the muscly guy shooting guns, I think he'd have a couple best uh, best actor because he's only been nominated once and that was for Rocky all the way back in middle of nowhere for well, best actor, best yeah. actor, not best supporting actor. Yes. Um, and, but, and while looking at this, I did see that he has been nominated 16 times wow. for bet for worst actor at the Razzies at the Razzies. <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> which, which he has won six of, which a lot of them were bad movies like judge dread or stop him. I'm almost shoot. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, he was nominated for three separate movies. Oh, wow. That year, like he was the worst three times and somehow didn't even win the award. <laughs> like he, he, he was probably three of five and he couldn't, Pull in the victory for the worst. So that's got to be something he's real sad about in his life. Um, but he did get uh, the the worst actor of the decade in the 80s because they like nominated him for like First Blood Part 2 and uh, something else. But yeah, and it's just like, ah. Uh, he could have been so good because most most of the movies he was nominated for were those action movies like Tango and Cash, where I love that movie, but it is definitely not a I'm acting sort of movie. It's a what are you doing out there, buddy? Wow. So, yeah, I agree, Tom. I think that I, I definitely think that uh, he you know, he has his chops and he wrote Rocky because uh, studios wouldn't take his his script. And so he wrote it. He finally found a financer, uh, MGM, and he was able to run with it. And it's like, look at me now, you know, best picture at the Oscars. It won best picture. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. It's so great. And so I, I think you're right. 
However, I think he knew the writing was on the wall and he's like, I can exploit the shit out of this and get a lot of money. I mean, his whole Planet Hollywood stuff was ridiculous. Same thing with Arnold, but Arnold's not a good actor. I think Arnold's a great actor. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he, he's not a good actor at all. He's but he's like one of my favorites just because I love every movie he's in. So cool. OK, oh, cool. I love it. All right. Letter grades, guys. Uh, Eric, what's your letter grade for First of Blood? I give it a I give it a B. It's all B um, because while I, I did love the uh, the overall story and how it was great biting social commentary and i thought stallone was wonderful actually a lot of the acting was really good mm-hmm. um, the sheriff was really good um there was also a lot of like like the national guard thing that was super ridiculous and yes there are definitely trigger happy cops but like with fully automatic m16s and go just absolute head. like they got way over the top weight <laughs> on some of that action so um i i give it a solid b solid b Okay, Tom. Well, I've been on this podcast several times, and uh, I've—I don't think I've ever given a movie over a C, um, based on the two movies because I did not like Christmas Vacation. Um, but I'm going to give this a solid A. Wow, I love this movie. It's great. I—it's in, even I've seen it multiple times, and even this watch, I was intrigued the whole time. Still, okay. just each scene, they got me. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm 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 gonna split the difference between you guys and give it a B plus because it's been quite a while since I've seen it for everything both of you are saying. Uh I agree with. It's not a movie I'm gonna rush out to watch again. However, I'm so very glad I watched it because yeah. I talked we talked about pacing and stuff, and I think it's so tightly paced. I was never bored during the movie. I mean it mm-hmm. starts pretty quickly. We we see Rambo, we see what he's trying to do. Um, we already see the pain of, you know, he's trying to visit his friend and he doesn't even know that he's dead. He's been dead a year. Like, that's heartbreaking. So now he just wants to get some fucking food in, in a podunk town and mind his own business. And he starts getting harassed. And then it just continues to, to snowball from there. Um, and I think it's just wonderfully done. Uh, Stallone is great at the stunts on it, too. Uh, there are some interesting choices for sure, but yeah, all the acting was great. Brian Dennehy is excellent. He is a, a very good villain, anti-hero kind of thing, uh, just protagonist or antagonist, I should say. But yeah, I, I, I'd say B plus for me. Cool. Coolness. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, where can we find you both on social media? Uh, you can find me at Tom Top 5 and tell me. Your top five lists, I guess. <laughs> top five, I top five Stallone guess, movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk about top five Stallone. That's perfect. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> that <be> a Tom episode. <laughs> oh, perfect. and that's Tom with an H. T H O M. Tom. And I am Thom. at Snack Burglar, all one word. Snack Burglar. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's me. He's taking those IHOP pancakes all the time. You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. (laughs) Not remotely bashful about it either. Oh, hell yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. And everyone else, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy movie podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts, you can give us film suggestions, or you can tell us if we're crazy. Hell, you can even send me some funny memes because I love to laugh. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you like it. 
Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you for listening. And until next time, don't be crazy.